Hi, I'm Amy Slayton. I'm the interim head of the Department of History here at Drexel. And thank you so much for stopping in with us to listen to Dragons Remember. I'm so excited to introduce to you three fabulous young scholars. All of these folks that you'll hear today finished up their thesis in the Department of History this spring as uh, history majors. Anna Shetler, Nick Mendez, and Violet Collins are just remarkably interesting, talented, and energetic historians. Um, they'll share a little bit with you today about their process of choosing a topic and writing, but I just want to add that they may be aware that they've gained a lot of skills as researchers, as writers, as editors, but I think there's another skill that comes with uh, historical training that all three of our young scholars today have really mastered, and that is patience. That is the ability to sit with the uncertainty of where your story will go, the necessity of not second-guessing your actors, not presuming what your evidence will tell you, but letting it play out for you. Each one of them has demonstrated incredible creativity, incredible energy, but also remarkable stoicism in just standing still when the story wasn't clear, when the evidence was waiting to show them the way, and then running with it. They are just fabulous, and I hope you'll very much enjoy hearing about their experiences of becoming young and very talented historians. Thanks so much. inspiration behind my thesis was kind of to open a little bit more of a lens onto the experiences of more specific groups of immigrants. And in this case, this focuses mainly on Irish Catholics in Philadelphia specifically, and kind of the way that a legacy of anti-Catholicism and anti-Irish sentiment followed them from Ireland, where they were being persecuted by the British followed them over to the American colonies and how that kind of has had a very interesting like dynamic history of this group of very obviously white immigrants being this kind of othered group that was on par with African-Americans at the time and how eventually whiteness was actually the thing that technically saved them from their like destitution and they turned around and became the oppressor in order to advance themselves. My thesis was all about disability in terms of access to pleasure and dignity. It is uh, part of, ideally, it is part of a tradition of disability studies and particularly its more radical cousin, grip theory, which is where I drew most of my historical research is from uh, grip theorists. Uh, I examine the role of our off time as a way to help illuminate the experience of disability. It's about how our off times and our playtime is just as much history as the moments at which we are working. So when I talk about off time, I'm actually talking about how we are at play, right? The times at which we are not working, we are like, in the case of board games at play. Yeah, so my thesis was essentially constructed from these 16 interviews that I did with surviving Vietnam War veterans who all served in this small counterinsurgency program that the Marine Corps had developed during the war. Um, and just for some context, this program was called the Combined Action Program or CAP for short. 
And the mission of the program was to embed a small squad of Marines within the villages throughout South Vietnam so that they could root out insurgent activity. But the focus of my paper was on the relationships these Marines had with the people of their villages. So when I was doing these interviews with these veterans, they were telling me stories of times when they were invited to weddings and parties and other celebrations throughout the villages. So these interviews were all focused on the interactions between Marines and the villagers. Uh, so in short, my thesis focused primarily on the personal relationships CAP Marines had with the people of South Vietnam to show a fresh perspective of the war, one that I think is often overlooked in traditional retellings of America's involvement in Vietnam. So I have loved toys and games my entire life. And very soon after I acquired that love, I also acquired a love for history, for learning every little thing about every little thing as, an, as a method for understanding the world, which as a disabled person was very foreign to me in many considerable ways, right? I chose the topic because I believe that play uh, is that play has so much historical worth, but it also has a lot of theoretical work when it comes to the liberation of disabled people, right? Because I believe that history uh, should be best utilized to serve the public. Kind of the goal of it changed as I wrote. Originally, it was just more of like an exploration into this history, but the further I got into it, the deeper it kind of started to get. And it kind of ended up being more of like a little bit of a race history and also just like a commentary on the lack of uh, immigration education in like the American public school system. Uh, because that was the main reason that it pushed me to do that is that people always have these very generic concepts of when massive amounts of people came from all of these various places and I feel like it's about time to like kind of have a deeper understanding of that and be able to actually amplify these histories instead of just silence them in the like, um, as opposed to promoting just the American dream and that's why everybody came. So I think it turned into being something much deeper than originally intended. So originally I had no idea what I wanted to write my senior thesis on. I was jumping back and forth from different topic and idea uh, and I really had no clue what I was going to write about. And so for the first six weeks of my thesis, uh, I had been researching a topic that I ended up just throwing out and starting fresh. Um, it wasn't until week seven that I finally landed on this topic about the combined action program and Marines in Vietnam. Uh, and that was really only because I was running out of time uh, before I had to submit the first partial draft of my paper that I had yet to even start. Um, but the reason I chose to write about the Combined Action Program was because I had already been familiar with what it was. I had taken a Vietnam War class my sophomore year here at Drexel, and I had already written a paper about the CAPS during that class. So I had some idea of what it was all about. 
um, which was a lifesaver since I had already wasted seven weeks researching a topic that I, I didn't like. Um, but out of all of my previous papers that I could have chosen, I picked this one because I knew I could expand upon what I had already written about. And I saw the potential of focusing uh, much more on the primary research in doing these interviews with these veterans and making those interviews the centerpiece of my paper. Uh, so to make a long story short, my thesis was ultimately inspired by this five page paper that I had written a few years prior that I ended up turning into my 40 page thesis. So uh, on my mom's side, we are Irish Catholic. I believe my great grandparents are the ones who came from Ireland. And I get, I've always grown up kind of indoctrinated with the whole like, oh, Catholics and Protestants don't like each other. The Irish and the British don't like each other. And I'm like, okay, but we live in America and we've lived here for like a decent number of generations. So I was kind of curious to, as to like how that actually happened and why it was such this like long-standing uh relationship between these two groups because I the whole point was my mom I had remembered her telling me like yeah like when your ancestors came over and they worked on the main line as servants for Protestant white families and they lived like very poor in like the Kensington area and stuff like that and I was like well that I just I like learning about family history so that was just kind of the spark. And then it turned into this whole, like, I wanted to learn about why such a long history with Britain was able to be so permanent in a group of people, even as they escaped to a completely different country. I chose Catan and Monopoly for two reasons. Uh, one, it is that they are insanely popular board games from the same genre, right? Mm -hmm. um, they are uh, both tile-based resource management games, right? It is the fun of those games is supposed to come from the accumulation of resources, right? In the case of Monopoly, it is uh, through gaining a monopoly on the housing market of New York, right? That is what the fun is supposed to be. It is supposed to be about having a monopoly on a housing market, which would of course uh, have horrible effects on the housing market, right? It would be not, it would be not so good in reality. Uh, and then Catan is, uh, is essentially a fictionalized uh, version of colonialism, right? It is about, uh, it actually, this does dive into my research a bit specifically as a, as a small tangent before I get to my second point, um, that shows Catan is actually based on a lot of these stories, right, about colonialism that are super fictionalized called European discovery stories, right? Mm -hmm. They depict this very particular myth uh, where um, they depict this very particular myth where the colonizers go from the motherland and they go to this untouched natural lush paradise uh, where nothing bad happens, right? Uh, 
and right and the European discovery stories they wind up being these stories of these fictionalized discoveries on one end but then also under that same genre we see uh, fantasy novels and adventure books uh, begin to fly out of it, most notably like um, Lord of the Rings, right? George R. R. Tolkien is uh, something that's very important to my research as his works go on to inspire uh, Catan, as well as games like Dungeons and Dragons, where, um, where some of his negative ideas about different people um, as they are represented in his works get passed on through not only his works, but the works that are inspired by it, including games, which brings me to my second point, uh, which is that games teach us, right? Even if we are uh, not aware of it, right? you are learning things from the games that you play. And it's very deceptive, right? Because we think of games as this off time where we're at play, right? So when, uh, so when we're playing a game, we're often not critically analyzing it, uh, right? So when we play Monopoly, we try to put our friends out of business and we derive fun from that, right? When we play Catan, we try to outperform colonies on a continent. Um, and values that are passed, and, and values come along with that, right? Uh, if you monopoly, you are supposed to derive joy and happiness from that process, right? It is supposed to create a positive association between what, what I argue, right? Between larger societal structures like capitalism in terms of monopoly, which isn't a, which I imagine for our listeners isn't a big leap, uh, but also colonialism in reference to Catan. It's that those are the two points that I would really say are why I was inspired to write this. I honestly, I did not go into this paper thinking that I would be relying on cartoons as heavily as I ended up relying on cartoons. Um, and the one cartoon, I'm trying to think of the name. Uh, I would say there's two that really like stuck out to me. Um, the one was the, the ignorant vote on the cover mm -hmm. of Harper's Weekly where Nass depicts an African-American and an Irishman. And it kind of just shows you like how equivalent they were at one time, which is so like wild to think about that this like group of very, very obviously white people in America mm -hmm. were given treatment, not as bad, but very close to African-Americans and that they ever like coexisted kind of on the same level because that also made the revelation that like whiteness just became a tool, like a very big thing. And that like kind of illustrated it to me because I was like, how are they depicting them as like these kind of gorillas on one side and then they're also depicting people as monkeys on the other. And it was just this very like weird, but also eye-opening experience to see, like that was the cover of a very big newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I think the other one that really like got to me, like was weird to me was the one with the, uh, I don't remember the name of this one. It was the one with the bishops coming up 
out of the water as like alligators with like their hats were opening with teeth and like they show that they're like throwing children to the alligators and all I could think was like that is so dramatic like that is so it's it just kind of reminded me of today a little bit I was like this is like the origin of basically just like glorifying certain stuff and over exaggerating but I also really just think the biggest takeaway from using those cartoons in general was the details that they are able to put in there. If you don't look at the back, you're missing out on like half of it. Like if you actually zone in on like various places in these sources, there's little tiny nods to other stuff that end up like adding to the overall conversation too. So usually the people who volunteered for the program didn't necessarily know what they were volunteering for. This was a, it was a small program so it was relatively unknown to many Marines. Usually they were either highly encouraged to volunteer by their commanding officers if they had received language training beforehand, or they were just simply assigned to the CAP units. So there wasn't, there wasn't much known about it when you were going into it. But usually the, the program tried to pick young Marines. So they didn't want anybody who was high ranking either in the enlisted or they didn't want any officers because the people of South Vietnam generally associated officers with corruption. And they feared that if you had officers or if you had high ranking Marines, it may be a little bit intimidating to have them in the villages. So they wanted 19 or 20 year old Marines living in the villages because they look sort of like any of the other village kids that were there. So they were looking for the for the young Marines. They were also looking for the Marines who seemed as if they could adapt well to being in such remote environments, as well as not harboring any real racial hatred of, of the South Vietnamese. Because the big point is to establish a relationship and you want them you know, to be friendly with the villagers. So if, if you send somebody over there that, you know, really hates the South Vietnamese, then the whole thing falls apart. It's not going to work. Looking back on it, I'm very happy that I did things the way that I did. It could have been a lot more stressful if I hadn't. The biggest thing I would say, definitely you need to pick a topic that you are willing to spend way too much time of your life worrying about because if you pick something that you're only kind of interested in or if you don't know a lot about you're going to end up focusing on kind of the wrong stuff I guess because you don't know enough about it so I'd say go in with something that you kind of know a little bit about already it doesn't have to be extensive I didn't know that much about my topic but the other big thing about the process when you do the enriched outline make sure it is like the best thing you've done because being able to go back to that outline when we started having like oh submit this many pages this week this many pages the next week being able to go back and take those topic sentences from the outlines made life so much easier and it just like gives you a very good roadmap it gives you a beginning and end to like every paragraph i could not talk more about the enriched outline that was definitely focus a lot of energy on that and you will be so happy in the end. It was so amazing doing this. It definitely comes across as a very daunting and intimidating task. It's like, oh, senior thesis, like that's the thing. And it was honestly fun in like a really weird way. I don't know if it's just that I really like being able to read and write about all this kind of stuff, but 
it ended up being one of the most like satisfying things I've done in my college career, being able to say, I just handed in this like very long paper that I'm really proud of. And also just like the help that we all gave each other was super nice. And Professor Slayton did an amazing job, honestly, like checking in and making sure we were all doing well. So it, I could not say, yeah, it was awesome. The Drexel History Department also really helped a lot. They were all so helpful when they were doing the read throughs and just offering to give me like recommendations for books and sources and everything. So yeah, I definitely, it would not be as like complete and satisfying as it is without the help of all those other people too. Uh, the senior thesis process is much shorter than you think and you may want to, and you will have to rather balance out what you can do in your given amount of time and what you want to study. But I, but I wanna put the caveat on there that you make sure that you are studying what you are passionate about and what you want to write about. Because I spent 40 pages talking about two board games. If I can do that and get a good grade, so can you. You can talk about absolutely any subject. And as long as it meets the standards of the historical profession that we stride towards as historians, you will, you will be rewarded for that. And you will uh, write an absolutely fantastic paper. And I want to say, if you, if any of you are listening to this, uh, good luck. I hope that your research blows up and you become world famous. The one thing I would say, and this is for any future history students, any future history seniors who may listen to this and think about how they may want to tackle their own thesis topic. You know, I would highly recommend doing interviews. I did, like I mentioned, I, I did 16 interviews. You know, if you, if you do want to do the interviews for your thesis, it's a great experience to talk to people who actually lived through the history that you're interested in. And um, it makes the writing a lot easier too, since you can sort of quote them however many times you want. They're great resources to quote from. And one last thing I'd also like to say is that when you're coming up with the topic for your thesis, don't do what I did and wander aimlessly for weeks without a thesis topic. If you're having trouble coming up with an idea, uh, look back on some of your previous papers for inspiration. If you've made it to your senior year, then I imagine you must have written many papers by now. Uh, for previous classes. So I would suggest looking back on some of the ones that you liked and figure out how you could expand upon and improve the ideas that you've already had. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to listen to the full unedited version of each interview, please visit the Dragons Remember webpage. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.